I also want to separate the actions. Anytime we have these conjunctions of and, but, while we're in the middle of action, it's slowing, it's um, slowing, no, it's speeding up the action and we want to slow it down. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. You printed it out, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are doing video this week like we thought we might be, <laughs> and that was too good. You printed it out. Tell the truth. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to fess to anything. <laughs> I have a great memory. You do. I'm You're... not frazzled. I'm just cool and calm. Always. Always. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we are doing video today. We're going to skip right through the chit-chat because the video, um, these editing sessions tend to go a little bit longer than usual. So no chit-chat. We're going to get right into the meat of the show. And Taylor, do you want to explain what we're doing? Yes. So we have another segment uh, that's been sent in to me for help. And this is about 500, between five, started off about 500, 600 words. Oh, wait a minute. Let me stop you here because this way I won't have to go in and add this after the fact. We are going to have this video on your Patreon page. And people yes. don't have to be um, subscribers or supporters of yours to see it. It will be in the public area and we will have a link to it. But you can just go to patreon.com slash Taylor Stevens and it will be... Um, you go to posts. Once you're there, you go to posts. Okay, and, and it'll, it'll, be, it'll be there. And we'll yeah. put a link to it in the show notes at the Taylor Stevens Show website. But you can just go to patreon.com slash Taylor Stevens and then to posts, and you'll be able to watch along with Taylor as she goes through this. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. The floor is <laughs> okay. entirely yours again. Thank you. So we received um, another piece to work on. And so I think it's about, start off at about five 600 words. And... Um, I, at the time of this recording, I haven't yet had the uh, permission to share the author's name. So, um, we're just going to record as, as is. So a little summary of what we're getting into here are, we're going to be working in the epic fantasy genre, which is going to be fun because I don't know anything about epic fantasy. The characters, we're going to outline the characters. We have three in this scene. We have Grace, who's our hero. We have Declan, or Declan. I don't know how, I don't have any I'm pronunciation, I'm going to best guys. that that's Declan. Declan, okay. Declan is her love interest. Violet is the villain and former best friend to Grace. They're all wizards, and so they fight with fireballs, not knives. Here's the setup. We're in the middle of the story. Grace and Declan are communicating with Violet remotely via a magical mirror. Violet has requested Grace's help. This would require Grace being possessed by a demon. Grace has said no. Violet, intent on killing Grace and Declan, reacts by setting everything on fire. A decade earlier, Grace's family had tried to burn her alive, and the fire triggers a PTSD-like response in Grace. The specific problem that we're trying to solve here is, I need help with keeping the present action and Grace's flashbacks distinct for the reader, but also flowing in real time. And can I just say that I wrote, uh, this is not in epic fantasy, but in an earlier um, one of those no one will ever see it books, I wrote a scene that took place, there was a fire, 
and there were flashbacks. So I am really curious to see what you do with this. Well, fingers crossed. So um, the last couple of sessions that we've done this, the recordings have gone very long because we've read out the original, then we've made changes, and then we've read the finished copy. And what I'm going to try and do this time is I'm going to do this in two passes. And the reason why is that when I'm editing my own work, I often don't manage to get everything done on the first try. And sometimes once you go back and you clean everything up, then you return to the top, and then you have more clarity for how to clean up some other things that were bothering you. So that's what I'm going to do here. We're going to tackle some real nitpicky type stuff, because even though I was asked for help with keeping the present action and the flashbacks um, distinct but also flowing, there's a lot of opportunity to learn from uh, just line editing and some other issues that can help strengthen the piece. So I'm going to take it from the top as if I was editing my own work and cleaning stuff up, taking a rough and, and cleaning it up. And, um, in the process of doing that, we're going to get those flashbacks and the, the timeline all cleared out, but we're going to do it in two passes. And I'm going to save the heaviest lifting for last. Once we actually have clarity and we have the scene working the way it needs to work, then we go in and we dig deep into those some two, I think it's two specific pieces. So, everybody ready? Ready. Yes. Here we go. Uh, here we go if I can get my screen to do what it needs to do. I love being the proxy for the audience. Everybody ready? <laughs> yes, we are ready, Taylor. <laughs> I love that I have a proxy for the audience. So, this starts with the sentence, Violet shrieked and shot a black pyroball the size of her head from the mirror. And... As we remember from the setup, Violet is the antagonist here. And so with that opening sentence, I say this. Before we can move into the task of ensuring past and present are distinct yet blended, we have to make sure the lead-up is clear as possible. In previous discussions, we've talked about how when writing action, you have to slow everything down beat by beat, and now we have a fantastic example to show what that means in a practical hands-on way. Because this is an action sequence. Even if it's epic fantasy, that's what this is. The first important aspect of setting the scene and getting action right is to make sure that every single thing happens, that happens is shown exactly in the order that it happens, exactly as the point of view character would see it. The second is to separate the actions and write them as cause effect. So this first, sem this first sentence is a great example of how easy this is to do. Violet shrieked equals the cause. Something happened. We stop there. The period forces us to wait and sets us up to expect a result. We don't need to say she shot the pyroball. We know she did because cause, effect. We don't, know, we don't show what she did. We show what happened. A black pyroball shot from the mirror equals the effect. This, then this. So, Violet shrieked. A black pyroball the size of her head shot from the mirror. The next line says, the explosion sent blue flames in every direction. And I've highlighted out the explosion, and I've highlighted out blue flames in every direction. This is also a cause-effect issue. I don't have the educational background to describe this grammatically. I only know it by instinct, and the best I can offer is this. The mental image is supposed to be an explosion of blue flames, but by having a thing, the explosion do something, 
send blue flames, were creating two distinct actions for what should be a single event. The mental movie sees an explosion before it sees the blue flames. It doesn't see an explosion of blue flames. The reading subconscious knows this and is forced to pause to convert the two images into one. When we have a tangible visual, something we see, blue flames, we want to get that visual first and then follow it with the action, what the thing we see is doing. And the secondary issue is writing this as two distinct actions, the explosion sent blue flames in every direction, forces us to use weaker words, which dilute the emotion and mental image. So I changed it. Blue flames exploded in every direction. It's the same use of words, but now it's powerful. The explosion sent blue flames in every direction. Blue flames exploded in every direction. Grace stumbled backwards. This is where it gets a little confusing is because I don't have a clean copy, so I have to go back and search through what I struck out. So Grace stumbled backwards. God, no. Worse than a simple fireball, blue flames meant stone-consuming dragon fire. So from this, I put, I think this is the right one, yes. If we remove the spoken inner dialogue and remove the extra narrative, the explanation of what blue flames mean becomes inner dialogue instead of narrative, and the implication that they are something different, something worse, stands stronger on its own. So I took it from, um, God, no, worse than a simple fireball, blue flames meant stone-consuming dragon fire, to Blue flames, God, no. Blue flames meant stone-consuming dragon fire. The clan threw Glace to the floor and, and redirected the dragon fire back toward the mirror. This is a perspective issue. We are in Grace's head, seeing through her eyes. This is an example of how a scene can shift between movie perspective versus first-person perspective without even realizing it, and how first-person pers perspective can create more power. Imagine you are Grace. You have just witnessed stone-consuming fire explode around you. You've stumbled backwards. What did you do next? There's nothing in the text that shows us Grace's next movement. There's nothing that gives us a sense of the passage of time. We're going to assume that it all happened very fast, almost instantaneously. We're going to assume that Declan is shoving her out of the way of the explosion, but there's nothing in the text to give us this picture. And if you're Grace, and all you see is blue flames around you, where did Declan come from? You didn't see him. You only got hit by him and then hit the floor. So that's the way you have to write it, as if you are the character in the character's body. This takes more time to fix, so we're going to tackle it in round two. So Declan threw Grace to the floor and redirected the, fire, the dragon fire back towards the mirror, except he missed. And the fire consumed the stairs and their escape instead. And to this, I tagged on that this should be two separate actions. And also, um, I'm really torn on the use of instead. Because if it was my work, I'd probably take it out because I feel that it's implied by the fact that he missed when he threw it. But it's also impossible that the intended audience might not get it if it's not there. And I fixed that in the second part. Grace gagged at the smoke. Flashes of her struggling on the pyre gripped her. A decade of old memory, but still fresh. The flames, the smells, oh God, no, not now. Focus, run. Despite her commands, she couldn't move. Her legs, her legs tied to the pyre. No, the floor. No, wait, run. Just run. Her screams from the past morphed into the present. So for this, I highlighted out that this is the key moment, right? This is where the, the author said that 
she needed help. And we're transitioning from past to present. And so this is where we're going to want to do the most work. We're going to want to bulk up this entire paragraph to emphasize the inner struggle. And it's going to take time. So we're going to tackle that on the second round as well. Violet spewed obscenities from the fallen mirror, but her voice sounded far away to Grace's ears. Violet cackled, so be it, you hypocrite. Nothing but ashes will remain of you. And I've taken some liberties with this sentence because we don't know, we don't have any sense of the mirror falling. All of a sudden we're getting thrown this detail, this fallen mirror. And it's one of those small little things that just happened out of nowhere. There's nothing to anchor it. So um, if it's, it's a flow issue that whatever's in the author's head didn't make it to the page. So we either need to work with it so that the significance of the fallen mirror, like we need to see in the text that the mirror fell, we need to have some understanding of if it's important and, and that needs to be reworked, or we have to take it out. And since I have no idea on this one, I'm just going to take it out because it's easier than, than messing with it. I also have a problem personally when someone spews obscenities, but we don't actually know what they're saying from the fallen mirror, but her voice sounds far away. And then she cackles some dialogue. To me, it, we could totally tighten that up. So right now, the way I have it is Violet cackled and her voice came from far away. Hypocrite, so be it. Nothing but your ashes will remain. And we'll see that in the second version, see more how it reads as we get into the second read of it. But I did that because it tightens it up and it keeps things moving and it doesn't leave us with any vagueness because spewed obscenities and, and then cackling it, it just, the, the mental image isn't really there. And so I'm imposing my voice on the author and I would if, if I got it, something like that, I would maybe just ignore the advice, but this is just my way of doing it. Grace's heart pounded in her ears, her eyes water. I moved, removed in her ears because we have the earlier part where it said her voice sounded far away to Grace's ears. Now we have Grace's heart pounding in her ears, but we don't even need that. It doesn't, it doesn't add any clarity or any intensity to the scene. So just take it out. Grace's heart pounded, her eyes watered. The screams continued. And the original said the screams continued. Hers, her family, no, focus, run. And I, I changed it because we're looking at, um, this, is, this is the point of this whole scene is that this, this girl is suffering a PTSD flashback and we're going to emphasize, instead of, instead of working what was already there, we're going to emphasize it to sort of anchor the points and, and really ground us in the fact that, we're, that she's struggling with these, these flashbacks. So Grace's heart pounded, her eyes watered, the screams continued, her screams, her family's screams. No, no, that was then. She needed to focus. She needed to run. So it's a few more words. But the words are repeats, it's patterns, and it's, um, it's emphasizing what we want the reader to focus on, which is that she is torn between past and present. Um, Declan lifted her to her feet and shook her. And I 
X'd out, not X'd out, but I'm commented here, this is a perspective issue. We need to feel what grace feels, and this movement can't come out of nowhere. So she went from being in her own head to Declan lifting her to her feet and shaking her. But that's coming out of nowhere. So I put text in front to ground us, to anchor us to what's happening. Strong hands gripped her shoulders. Now we're feeling what Grace is feeling first, and then we can explain what happened. Declan lifted her to her feet and shook her. She swiped away her tears. No, she wiped away her tears and looked around. So I took out, this is, and I'm, and I'm nitpicking here, not because the author did terrible, but because these are all teaching moments here that help us to learn how to strengthen, how we can all strengthen our writing through um, these small little things that make such a big difference. And it's the, and looked around part, is that it can be redundant. We don't have to show, there's going to be, the next graph is going to have a description and so the and looked around is is meant to show us that she's going to see something, but we don't need to do that. It's redundant. Unless the act of looking is key to anchoring the moment and the movement, um, we just don't need it. So in this case, by simply showing what she saw next, we know she saw it. We know she looked around. So I also changed, um, she wiped away her tears to she swiped at her tears simply because it's a stronger movement. It's stronger words, stronger imagery. And any time you can do that to change a softer word for a stronger word, you're going to uh, increase the intensity of the scene. And in this case, we're in the middle of an action sequence. And when someone, you know, she's just watched blue flyer that can melt stone, pour through a window and everything's set, set on fire now, and she's being lifted to her feet and shaking, and she wipes away her tears. Oh, that's so sad, right? No, that's not what we want. We want an angry move, movement, so she swiped at her tears, right? And it, it just it works with the, the imagery a little bit better. So the next uh, paragraph says, Black mist poured out from the mirror, metallic dross and trollsbane mixed with the smoke. God have mercy. Trollsbane was so poisonous it could fell a rock troll. Humans had no chance against it. So one small little redundancy is poured out from the mirror. The out becomes redundant. You can remove that completely, and the sentence reads the same. Black mist poured from the mirror. So it's just a little tiny um, line editing tweak there. For the rest of it, um, I'm going to... I'm really nervous about messing with this part because... It's, um, I don't know anything about this world. I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the author. I'm not in the author's head. And so by, by working with it, I could be totally misordering. I could be messing something up. But as the paragraph stands now to my mind, my not knowing any better mind, it feels like there's a lot of redundancy and like, I don't know, is the black mist significant in and of itself? Does it represent the metallic dross and trollsbane? Um, I, I, I don't know. But I'm going to take a stab at this so that I can turn direct inner dialogue more into third-person narrative and, um, and just kind of clear this up and make it easier to read. And we're going hit to hit that now. So I'm going to um, 
to read you the original again and then read you to how I changed it so that how I felt that it would um, more readily convey what needed to be conveyed. So black mist poured out from the mirror, metallic dross and trollsbane mixed with the smoke. God have mercy. Trollsbane was so poisonous it could fell a rock troll. Humans had no chance to get it against it. Change two. Black mist poured from the mirror, metallic dross and trollsbane. Trollsbane. So poisonous it could fell a rock troll. Humans had no chance against it. God have mercy. So it's the same elements, but just reordered to to keep it flowing. And when we get to the next version, we'll see that in, in how it works in real time together with the rest of it. Declan threw a shield about them, but the mist punched through the holes. Through holes, sorry. Declan threw a shield about them, but the mist punched holes through the protection. So we want to separate these two actions. When we're writing action, we really want to try and do point by point by point. And so um, I'm changing it to Declan threw a shield about them, the mist punched holes through the protection. And the next section said, pain lashed across her cheek and Declan's cries added to her own. And I, her eyes burned, her lungs burned, and I moved some of that language around to her eyes burned, her lungs burned, pain lashed across her cheek and Declan's cries added to her own. It's an example of how the elements can all be correct but shifting them into different places can give them more power. And so we're giving that, I mean, it'll be easier to understand if you can see it versus hear it in the podcast, but that small change totally changes the, the weight of that sentence. Declan shouted in shadow tongue, but the dragon fire only intensified the mist choking them. And I want to separate those actions again, remove the butt, remove the conjunctions. He shouted in shadow tongue, the dragon fire only intensified. And instead of the mist choking them, um, and this plays into the next sentence, which follows, the smoke became too thick to see the stairs. So the original was, Declan shouted in shadow tongue, but the dragon fire only intensified, the mist choking them, smoke became too thick to see the stairs and became too thick is passive voice. And so I want to strengthen these, these sentences. So I changed them to, he shouted in shadow tongue, the dragon fire only intensified smoke thickened. She couldn't see the stairs. So now we're actually seeing it through her eyes and it's bam, 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 beat by beat. Grace dragged Declan to the end of the hallway, buying them a minute or two. No way out. The octagon window at her shoulder was only the size of a dinner plate. So here we have multiple actions that all blend together, and there are physical and anchors missing. So it becomes a blur that loses its power. What follows is, is an example of how I would take those elements and stretch them out beat by beat and anchor them so that we are always connected to, do, to who is doing what and why. The other thing is there may have been a visual of how the room was laid out and where each element stood in relation to each other in the story, but it, that it came before this piece we're working on. But without that, I have to take a guess. So I'm just structuring this to the best of my ability in a way that connects the various elements that make sense in the moment. So 
We had Grace dragged Declan to the end of the hallway, buying them a minute or two. No way out. The octagon window at her shoulder was only the size of a dinner plate. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit to connect the previous sentences so that this makes sense in context. He shouted in shadow tongue. The dragon fire only intensified. Smoke thickened. She couldn't see the stairs. The octagon window at her shoulder was only the size of a dinner plate. They had no way out. Grace gripped Declan's arm and dragged him with her. The end of the hallway would buy them a minute or two. So what I've done there is with Grace gripping Declan's arm, I've given an anchor. Because previously, she just dragged him to the end of the hallway. But there was no, there was no logical progression between what she's seeing and what she's doing. There were no body movements to get us from one place to the next. So the way it is now... The smoke thickens. She can't see the stairs. There's a window at her shoulder that's too small to get through. They have no way to out. She grips his arm and drags him with her because the end of the hallway would buy them a minute or two. So it's the same words, more or less, but rearranged in a logical progression with a little bit of action added, movement added, to, to logically progress us through the scene. So the end of the hallway would buy them a minute or two. Declan coughed, not going to like my idea. Do it already. The flames leapt closer. Screams clogged her mind. She could hear her family's taunts, or were they violets? So I moved the elements. Um, Declan coughed. I moved it later. And I changed she could hear her family's taunts, or were they violets? Because... If we can convert feeling words like hear, heard, saw, seen into direct immediate experience, the image becomes more powerful. So I changed she could hear her family's taunts or were they violets to her family's taunts grew louder or were they violets. There's no she could hear. It's just she's hearing already and now we're understanding what she's hearing. So I took the decline coughed and moved it below that. So now it reads... The end of the hallway would buy them a minute or two. The flames leapt closer. Screams clogged her mind. Her family's taunts grew louder, or were they violets? Declan coughed, not going to like my idea. Do it already. Declan pushed her against the wall. Between coughs, he drew a simple single-line circle and stood next to her. Before she could question him, he threw the powerball into the middle of the circle and snapped his fingers. Flames leapt to the ceiling. What the? Trying to kill her faster? So here I've highlighted out two words, between, from between coughs, and before, before she could question him. And these are perspective issues, the whole movie perspective versus first-person shooter that we've talked about in the past. One of the biggest clues that we're moving out of the character's head and into a more detached perspective is when we start using prepositions to arrange the pieces. But it takes time to figure out how to rewrite it. We're going to have a chance to go over that in the second pass. The next paragraph starts. However, the flame stayed within the circle under his control and held back the poisonous smoke. Declan shouted in shadow tongue and power radiated from him hotter than the flames. The fire burnt a hole through the floor, leaving a blackened circle. So I've made a few suggested changes. We start with 
the word however. And that's not a preposition, but the same concept applies. It, it's giving us a sense of um, what this relates to as something else. Prepositions are words that tell us how things relate in time or place to other things. And however kind of has that same concept about it. However, the flame stayed within the circle. It's also very formal. It's something that you would expect to see in a letter or in a, not something you normally see in fiction. So um, I want to rewrite it so that that's not there, but it's going to take time to do that. So that's also going to go into the next, the next draft. Um, and then I also want to separate the actions. Anytime we have these conjunctions of and, but, while we're in the middle of action, it's slowing, it's um, slowing, no, it's speeding up the action and we want to slow it down. So the flame stayed within the circle under his control. They held back the poisonous spoke. Declan shouted out of tongue. Power radiated from him hotter than the flames. The fire burnt a hole through the floor, leaving a blackened circle where he had stood. And I added the where he had stood because of what's going to come next. And we needed something to ground that. So the next sentence after that says, he jumped, rolled to his back, and then to his feet. And this is a point of view shift. It's really subtle. But think about this. If he'd been standing next to her and went through the floor, then the only way for us to know that he jumped, rolled to his back, and then onto his feet was if we were in his point of view. Grace didn't see it happen. And even if we move her to the edge of the circle and have her look down, he'll have already gotten to his feet by then. So it was a, a whiplash, a jump. We jumped from Grace's point of view to his point of view and then back again. And the easiest way to fix that is just to delete it because it's just one sentence. And we're going to miss a little bit of action. We're going to miss what he's doing. But the scene is still going to work without it. And it, it, prevent, it, it keeps us from having to do a complete rewrite to somehow show how she saw what he did or whatever. So the fire burned a hole through the floor, leaving a blackened circle where he had stood. I added, Grace peered into the floor. I added, Declan stood 15 feet below, his hand stretched upward, motioning her down. And I added those two things because there's nothing, there's no movement to get us to from Grace to how does she see him? How, how do we know these things are happening? And if we're seeing it through the character's eyes, then we need to have that character movement. A blue, a blue glow bathed Declan's sweaty face. Sounds of crackling and popping told Grace the dragon fire had spread to the ground floor. Declan waved for her to jump. So I deleted out sounds of crackling and popping told Grace because they're sounds. And they do add imagery, but it works with the same concept of he heard, she saw. Now, if we want to keep the crackling and the popping in there, we would say wood crackled and stone creaked. We wouldn't say we heard the sounds of it. But because I'm short on time, I just deleted it because the sentence works okay without it. I also changed Declan's name, proper noun, to um, a pronoun. His, because I had added a sentence earlier, which says Declan stood 15 feet below. So we don't want to use his name again in the next sentence. A blue glow bathed his sweaty face. The dragon fire had already spread to the ground floor. 
See, the blue glow is enough for that without the sounds of crackling and popping. Declan waved for her to jump. No way, I'll break my back. Now, I changed back to neck because there's double use of the word back. It's just a little word tweak to keep, to keep that going. Would you rather burn alive? Come on, I'll catch you. She glanced back. And the original said she glanced back at the hallway covered in flames. Its searing heat blistered her face just like the pyre. She froze again, body tied to the pyre stakes. And I changed this to, would you rather burn alive? Come on, I'll catch you. She glanced back, period. Flames engulfed the hallway. Searing heat blistered her face just as it had on the pyre. She froze again, body tied to the, to the stakes. Her mind screamed to move, but she just stood there staring at the flames. And I changed this. Her mind screamed, telling her to move, period, because there's a more powerful place to put that image of her standing there staring at the flames, and that's at the end. Her mind screamed, telling her to move. Declan yelled, come on, love, now. A piercing pain shot through her right shoulder. I have that highlighted out, a piercing pain and shot through her right shoulder. This is the same as the cause-effect issue of the opening where we talked about the explosions of blue flame. Here, the mental movie is aware of the piercing pain before it has a sense of where the pain is located. The reading subconscious know this, knows this and is forced to pause to convert the two images into one. When we have tangible sensation, something we feel, piercing pain, we want to get a sense of where that is first. So I also added something else. Um, I, I moved. She just stood there staring at the flames. I repositioned that and added a little bit to it. So now that whole segment reads, her mind screamed, telling her to move. Declan yelled, come on now. Come on, love, now. She stood frozen. Not she just stood there because those are extra words that don't add impact. They just fill the space. She stood frozen, past and present consumed by flames. Pain pierced her right shoulder. So instead of a piercing pain shot through her right shoulder, pain pierced her right shoulder. Same words, just fewer of them in a different order. She shook her head and blinked. Because I don't have any, um, any logical or emotional anchors, any psychological or emotional anchors, I don't have a sense of what exactly that sentence is meant to convey. She shook her head and blinked. So as a Band-Aid, I'm just swapping the physical motions to what would make more sense if we spliced time into nanoseconds. You're going to blink and then you're going to shake your head. So pain pierced her right shoulder. She blinked and shook her head. Declan lobbed another low-grade mage, mage, ball? mage ball at her left shoulder. I deleted at her left shoulder because we already have shoulder up earlier with right shoulder. So we don't need the—we we know that now that he's the one who threw this pain thing at her. This time she ducked. Awareness brought her to the present. Sorry, I've interjected my mind with the, the new and old. This time she ducked. 
right, move. She whispered a prayer and jumped. And I changed that to, this time she ducked. Awareness brought her to the present. I removed that inner dialogue, right, move. She whispered a prayer and jumped. So because inner dialogue like this can be really tricky to pull off. And rather than get us deep inside the character's thoughts, it can have a counter effect of pulling us out of them. And when using third person point of view like this is, my personal preference is to handle inner dialogue exactly as narrative. And it's my personal opinion, again, just me, that it creates far more character weight than direct inner speech and doesn't run the risk of a mental movie stop start. So anytime that I could in this piece that it was her direct thoughts like, right, move, no, just stop, run, any of that. If I can convert it to actual narrative and treat it like narrative, it actually puts us closer inside her head. And so that's why I removed it here. And that is the end of that very short segment. So we're going to break here for the podcast because we're trying to keep these at a reasonable length. Um, Steve and I are going to continue recording. We're going to record these back to back and they're going to go live on the podcast on two separate weeks. And so we'll hit the next session um, next uh, for the next week that that goes up. But for the Patreon page for the video, we're going to zip them together and it's going to be one video. So if you're getting this from the podcast page and you don't want to wait until next week to get the rest of it, just click on over and you should be able to have all of it there as soon as I get it live. And again, that will be patreon.com slash Taylor Stevens and then just click on the posts. Uh, there's a post the po- button up there and it'll take you to it. You don't have to be subscribed or anything. You don't have to be a patron. It'll just be there. Yes. Okay. So for podcast listeners, um, thanks for listening. We'll be back with part two of this uh, next week. And if you're watching on video... We're about to pick it up again. Yes. Thanks for being with us, guys. And uh, who knows? We might see you in just a couple minutes.